to the sleeper and the bust this is episode number 141 our pre-all-star game uh, post all-star break in essence edition uh joining me as always on sundays is jason collette jason how are you today uh mixed emotions I- i'm just now getting over watching joey gallo hit a home run in the futures game which <laughs> gave me all kind of warm and fuzzy feelings I, I also saw Jose Molina steal a base and drive in multiple runners in the same series this weekend. We're talking about a guy who has five runs driven in all season, but has more stolen bases than Bryce Harper this year. <laughs> well, that hurts mostly Bryce Harper owners. I'm guessing you are one. Oh, yeah. Paul Spore and I drafted him in the first round in, in labor. Uh, that is disappointing. Certainly a better second half has to be in store for Mr. Harper. Uh, God, you would hope. (laughs) I I went to the Baltimore game on Wednesday, and uh, Baltimore fans don't care too much for Bryce Harper. Yeah, I I can certainly understand that. I think a lot of people in other cities don't. Um, He has not earned himself a great deal of number of fans. Maybe that's why I like him. Maybe that's why I like him, because I think it's completely overrated. I think we we made this point last weekend that he's still – younger than most of the players three levels down in, in minor leagues but yeah baltimore fans they didn't care about anybody else worth rendon nope every time bryce harper came up holy crap let's boo let's boo until we can't boo anymore yeah i mean i think fantastic i asked such a bright future ahead of him and uh i, I i'm a phillies fan there are some folks in philly who are not uh, quite appreciative of his skills to say the least but i think i mean i I kind of like him, you know. I mean, I, I, I think he's a fantastic player, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind the, the the little bit of brashness or anything like that you want to call it that he shows. Or, I mean, he's he's a confident player. You have to be that way to get to where he is. So, yes, I think uh, I think it'll be really exciting to see how his career turns out. I did not see any of the futures game. Uh, anything else that struck you in that game? Uh, other than Gallo, I know he was named MVP of the of the future scheme that took place today. I haven't finished the whole thing yet. Uh, I was in and out watching it. Thank goodness for DVR, and I can finish watching it later. Uh, just Henry Owens. I saw Henry Owens pitch early. He looked good. The the kid from the Marlins who struck out Gallo and Bryant uh, the first time each one was up. That was some nice looking stuff. Any Romero from the Rays was throwing mid to upper nineties. Working in one inning, which I've always thought he's going to be a reliever in the future, anyhow. Yeah, but those kind of things. But I do want to sit down and watch the rest of it, the rest of it in earnest, so we can uh, take a peek at at what's coming up. Cool, cool. That's great. I think um, any Romero is certainly an interesting pitcher as uh, the Rays approach that kind of do or die time with the trade deadline. Uh, although, I mean, it's uh, certainly likelier, for instance, that Alex Colomay gets the first look for any possibilities that open up and the Rays are slowly making whether they have a chance at the playoffs more interesting. I think this is not totally unsurprising. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting. They're like a high school girlfriend <laughs> is what they're like. <laughs> will I, will I, ah, oh, second base. Uh, yeah, this is, I just wish for the health of the, as the fan in me, 
trade them, set this team up for the next few years. I, I'm looking at a team that, yes, they've won six of their last ten, but they're still nine games below 500. I mean, there's still way too much of an uphill climb. You look at you know playoff odds, it's still a disaster. I mean, they're below Minnesota in playoff odds right now. Well, I mean, no offense to the playoff odds metric or whatever manufactures that thing, but I, I like the raised chances more so. But uh, I guess uh, a lot still to be determined as to how that goes. And I did just want to point out, I just realized, too, we were talking about Harper. Uh, Jeff, I believe it's Jeff Zimmerman wrote a nice little piece on Harper um, since he had come off the DL and he's watched a few uh, some of his games. And obviously we saw, I mean, Harper, I think, he hit 600 and slugged like 50 billion uh, in his rehab assignment. And that's why sure. the, the Nats activated him so early, but totally different competition, obviously again, in the major leagues and uh, Jeff, you know, Zimmerman basically says to us, Hey, uh, just let's go into this realizing that Harper is probably still is, is really not a hundred percent yet. So by the this way, break... I guess this is kind of, this is kind of fantasy related or whatnot. But we've talked in the past, and you know, forgive me, Scott Pianowski, if you're listening. I know how much you hate the marathon and sprint metaphor. But when we, or earlier in the season, when Milwaukee, when Milwaukee and Atlanta were running away with their divisions, everybody was wondering what they were going to do. Folks, they're tied for their division leads right now. I think I'm sorry, Milwaukee has a one game lead. Atlanta and Washington are tied. And I guess that's like fantasy baseball. When you think you have these huge leads, you kind of you know, rest on your laurels. And we're still we still have what sixty seven, sixty eight games for a lot of these teams once we come out of the break. So anything can happen. It's already happened in real baseball. It's going to happen in fantasy baseball in your league. Even if you're in first place, you need to shore up your things, see what's going on. Even if you're in the middle of the pack, you could still hit that money. I know in both of my home leagues, I'm not going to make. I'm not going to win the league. There's there's not a chance that I, I've had too many holes. But there's a good chance that I can finish in the money. And since I'm leaving both leagues, you know I want to finish in the money and try to get out and uh, move forward. But I would suggest, you know, for anybody looking at what they're going to do over the next three or four days without real baseball, sit down and take a good look at your league and see where your stats are and what you can do to make your team better for the rest for the home stretch. Yeah, that is excellent advice. I've I cannot think of a league, and I think it's um, it. Everything is kind of relative, of course. I think the deeper the league, the little more uh, you might take a little bit of solace in if you have at least a good standing. Um, but uh, in shallow leagues, I think it's probably even easier to see the, sh- the standing shake up. And uh, I-, I mean, I could say from experience, but I've, I've pretty much never. I- I'm always. <laughs> I've been known to be quite a cynic uh, in my day, and I've certainly improved on that. But I've never been one to be happy with. I mean, you can't be happy with a, even a sizable lead. I'm not happy. I, I'm not uncomfortable. I'm not comfortable with a sizable lead until at least August and probably well into it, because uh, there are a number of things can change. And it's really it's not just as you as you know. And if you do not, you should probably l- learn. Is it's about the the distance, uh, the the points you can gain in each category, or that your opponents can gain in each category, and the number of points that are possible because of that, the distance between everyone in those categories. I mean, there's a lot that you can analyze and look uh, in, ter- in terms of your league standings if you don't do that. 
Um, yeah, if you, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard Larry Schechter talk about it. I think he's been on this podcast twice. Uh, if you haven't read his book, Winning Fantasy Baseball, he talks about it there, too. And if you want to go, yeah, that's where I would start with this. But I can tell you, even when there's when I've been in leagues where I've had eight, nine-point leads heading into the final two weeks, you bet your ass I've been sitting there looking and making sure that nobody can catch me. And even making in some of these leagues where I can make a trade in the final week or two in the season, I've made a trade to make the block other people from making gains where you're looking at somebody with who's has, who can make some jumping closers. You find something for the teams ahead of them. You're like, look, I'll trade you this closer for this thing right now. Cause I don't need the saves, but I need you to stay ahead of the other guy. And so it's really a matter of, uh, you know, Flags fly forever, short-term gains, but it's all about just a handful of points and, and, and such. We talked last week, we were talking about J.J. Hardy and, and how that he that I felt he may hit 10 uh, more home runs. Now's a good time to trade for Hardy. While he's hitting for average, the power's not there, but 10 home runs means a lot over a 68-game stretch. It does. It does quite a bit. And just to give you an idea of the time we're recording this, Chris Davis is just homered. And for those who have, <laughs> for those who are still worried about, I mean, Chris Davis is not going to hit for a high batting average in most seasons. I think we should just get used to that fact. We talked about him at length, I think, on Thursday, you know, and I, and just, I mean, uh, it's a player who was, it was overcoming an injury, a slow start to the season, and things like that. So, uh, all things being equal now, I mean, Davis is probably in for a decent second half. It's just, batting average is always at risk and uh again excellent advice from jason i think that that's always keeping the bigger picture in mind um is probably the name of the game as a person who has i've lost one uh at least one league i know that i've lost this is rotisserie i've lost a league on the final day of the season and i think i've also won three on the final day of the season uh i mean a lot can change, and, and a lot of things can break your way, if, especially if you're if you're paying attention to the little details in your league standings. Uh, so, I mean, don't certainly do not for, forget um, where you can make up the most ground. Uh, that's certainly that, right. That's been that's been my approach in a lot of leagues. And sounds like your birds were saying the same thing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, my birds of a different feather or something. Uh, but yeah, it there's there is a. There, there's a lot that can go differently, and, and uh, I mean, you, you should learn about from experience by now. But it's easy to forget those things. I think over the course of a season, when you get to the end of a season, the last thing you want to do, uh, unless you win, is remember all of what's happened. But uh, it all counts the same in the end, kind of like they say, you know, all the, you know, a win in the first day of the season counts the same as a win in the last day of the season. So, some great advice to keep in mind. Uh, we want to talk about some injured players. First, just the players that are coming back for folks. I mean, it's heading into the All-Star break, as we you might expect. It's not a real news-heavy period, but it's an interesting news period. Um, Victor Martinez has essentially missed uh, the, the amount of time that uh, would have been nice to see him be placed on the disabled list at this point. I think his last active game was on the uh, Independence Day. Um, so uh, he's been missing time with a strained oblique. It sounds like... Tigers expect him back in the lineup uh, coming out of the break on Friday. Uh, so that is certainly good news. And Evan Gaddis uh, with a bulging disc in his back. Ha, ha, ha. We'll chuckle there for a minute and you'll never know why. Uh, it, it sounds like his he can begin a rehab assignment as soon as this Tuesday, which is encouraging because I think folks kind of wondered. I, I was I, I kind of thought this was an injury that was not real serious to begin with, uh, but it did sound like now that uh, they had no timetable. And now it sounds like actually it's, it's not going to be too big a deal. So he's... 
he wasn't eligible. I think he's he's already been eligible to return, but it shouldn't be too much longer. So that's pretty encouraging for fantasy owners. Or I mean, it's who knows? It may be something that he has to end up dealing with uh, later in the season. But at least it is a positive that uh, sounds like he will be uh, coming back soon after the All Star break. I would think that sometime this weekend. Uh, Dexter Fowler strained intercostal mu- muscle. Uh, sounded like he could be back as soon as this past weekend. Uh, probably not a bad idea for Houston just to take it easy with him. And but it sounds like he'll be back in there just after the break as well. And they needed. They played like crap. They have. They, they were have. on a roll there for a while, and they got blasted today. Yeah, the outfield has certainly lacked. I think um, in terms of other than Springer, who's been playing some center field. I think I've seen uh, made a fantastic catch out there on uh, Tal. Uh, what is it called? Tal's Hill. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, it was a pretty fantastic catch. Uh, he's, I mean, he can play the position. It's not as good a center fielder as Fowler by any means. but um, Should be so. called Tal's Folly, but hey. <laughs> and uh, good news, I suppose, uh, well, definitely for the Rockies and perhaps even for fantasy owners. This is a pitcher we've talked about a little bit on here. Uh, the, the, the physical ability is unbelievable. And ordinarily, we are scared of Rockies pitchers as a, as a fantasy collective. But shoulder soreness has kept Eddie Butler from pitching too much beyond his major league debut. Uh, he is very close to returning. Uh, he made his first rehab start on Saturday. I I suspect that he'll go one more uh, or at least throw a sim game or something like that before he's ready to return to, act, to action. So if it is not this coming weekend, then it shouldn't be uh, too much after that, that Butler is back. And, and I mean, it is a pitcher who could probably play in deep mixed leagues. It's not somebody I would look to throw on a consistent basis, uh, but the skills and the, the the velocity, everything, the the couple of pitches that he has, absolutely fantastic, and is is a guy that uh, one of the rare Rockies pitchers I think I would ever really consider. Yeah, I mean the delivery's a bit, you know, raises a few question marks with him. I, I've heard it compared to Brandon Webb, uh, but Brandon Webb had he had a shelf life, uh, and when he did pitch, he was darn good. It just when it fell apart, it fell apart mm-hmm. uh, on him. So that's that's really the only concern. But I like the kid a lot. Yeah, and you know, it's talked about him. He he loves him. Uh, says that we shouldn't be too worried about the low strikeout rate, particularly at least in, uh, in the minor leagues this season, and that uh, that is uh, very likely, or at least somewhat likely, the result of that. The Rockies have been asking him to work on a number of things and not just throw his best stuff all the time. And so, in the long run, I think the only thing that would be concerned is that he's been kind of fast tracked, and so. Not necessarily certain that he has faced a whole lot of adversity, and uh, it, certainly adversity is the name of the game when you pitch a course field pretty often. And finally, Drew Pomerantz, just a real quick note, uh, he's been back He's back from the disabled list with a broken hand, uh, now is basically ready in the weight uh, at AAA. I'm sure that the A's at some point, if they need a, an arm in the bullpen, they might be willing to call him up, but... Uh, since they have traded for both Jeff Samarja and Jason Hamill, have no need for this pitcher. I think that there's a good possibility that they will need him in the second half sometime. Perhaps let this be a lesson for you, kids. Don't punch. Don't punch things with your pitching hands out of frustration. <laughs> you lose your job. Yes, that's uh, that's certainly uh, a good lesson to learn. Uh, so a number of players I can think of that. Uh, Khalil Green, I think, is one of them. He's of course he sat kind of a sad case. He had uh, some mental health issues that came along with that, but. Uh, uh, yeah, that's generally not the best way to go. Um, 
and I can I can sort of attest to that myself. That's a personal experience with that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I, but I, I'm not a major league pitcher. Yes, now, that is true. I, I can't say that I haven't punched a door on the way out of an arena after a, watching a bad basketball game and had my hand in a split for a while. But I don't. <laughs> I'm not a major league pitcher. That is true. That is true. And how did that keep? Did it keep you off the keyboard for a while? It was a little problematic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> That is certainly a fear I have sometimes. I will I will admit to that. But uh, I think I think Pomeranz is not a terrible bet to eventually be needed in the rotation again this season. Uh, there's a possibility that Jesse Chavez kind of hits a wall, and I don't think that's necessarily what we're seeing now. Although maybe a bit of a, I mean, I think he's kind of he's seeing teams for a second time. That's certainly been a big factor, I think, uh, because I've noticed that kind of a pattern with him. But uh, there's always a possibility. We know that Scott Casimir is no stranger to health issues. Uh, and and really, Jason Hamill is, um, you know, a potential injury at some point down the road if he continues to rely on the slider so heavily. There's always you know, there's a slightly increased risk with him as well. So uh, there's certainly there's certainly some possible openings. I have I have Pomeranz. I like him in deep uh, in 15 team mixed league Tau Wars. Um, probably going to have to dump him, but uh, I think there's always a possibility that uh, he comes back into our picture uh, in a month or two. Now, this is uh, an injury situation that we do want to talk about just a little bit uh, is that uh, we obviously we got a diagnosis on Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, it's a small I want to say I heard this I heard this correctly. It's a 10 percent, maybe less, but it's a it is a small tear of the ulnar collateral ligament. Mm-hmm. We know that's typically uh, any tear in that is typically it's that's that leads to Tommy John surgery. When it's a small tear, the smaller the tear, the likelier the team is to try to get his pitcher to get their pitcher to rehab from it. Uh, and in this case, uh, three different doctor, doctors recommended to the team at Tanaka that uh, he rehab it as opposed to have surgery. And so that comes with a minimum um, six-week recovery period. Uh, and recommendation is platelet-rich, platelet-rich plasma therapy, rest, and uh, rehab that's going to include throwing and strengthening the arm and stuff like that. Um, certainly, it's possible. I think I don't I can't think I know that there have been a couple of cases at least of this uh, where a pitcher has come back uh, but I feel that a couple of questions about this I, I I can't think that the likelihood is great that he comes back and contributes I think in it how what's your feeling on this Jason as far as is it okay to dump this guy I mean it's certainly there are going to be a lot of caveats as far as death of the league and what the makeup of your roster is uh I mean he's they're saying six weeks for this. Yeah. When we come back, that basically that puts him out till roughly Labor Day. Right. So we're talking about a guy who's going to be who may help you in September. Mm-hmm. That's it. But I mean, when you look at when you go across this, I mean, this is what you should do. I know a lot of people are like, just go ahead and have the surgery. But you surgery, it's not an automatic. You know, ask ask Corey Lubke, ask, uh, you know, Sean Burnett, the multiple pitchers here having their second and even third uh, Tommy John surgeries on this. I, you know, I would try this, and then you go ahead and you try to have the surgery uh, because there are I'm, – I'm looking currently looking at a piece that Pinstripe Alley wrote uh, that has – that talks about the benefits of going with PRP and why it's not – you know, why they shouldn't always run to surgery uh, with that. And I'm sure there's, uh, there's some cases with it, you know – You'll remember Urban Santana had a partially torn uh, 
ligament. Yeah, Adam Wainwright had one for a point. Uh, but you, you just don't want this to end up being a Daniel Hudson, a Josh Johnson situation, the kind of thing like that. As far as this season, I mean, I have him in Talent Wars, and because I can keep him for free right now, I went ahead and disabled him. But I can claim, I think I spent $19 on him, so I could claim, I could reclaim that $19 and get that in fab. And I may just do that because this is a significant enough injury where, well, they're they'll let me do that. So I may do that. It just really depends on how I feel right now. Right now, I just put them on the disabled list. Uh, But I'm not looking for for much here uh, for the rest of the season, no. Yeah, and I I think, Goose, I think you have to, it's an ale tout, so I think you have to make the decision. You only get, you get the full amount back if you make the decision by coming out of the All-Star break, right? Uh, yeah. And, uh, but anytime after that, I think you can still claim it, but you only get half of the money back. So that's, All right, so I better make my decision, uh, <laughs> today. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not sure of the, I'm not sure if, yeah, I'm not sure if it's the transaction period. Um, if it's the, you know, it's the fab transaction period or if it's the lineup period, but I know that that's, I'm pretty sure that uh, like this, I know that the all-star break is kind of cutoff point for whether it's half or whole or full. And like you said, I mean, there's, uh, your league's rules are going to dictate to you somewhat uh, how to handle this. For the most part, I would not be afraid of dropping him. But in any league, I mean, we we play in a couple of leagues where there's unlimited DL space. Of course, if there's no risk to keeping him, why would you not keep him? But right. obviously, most people have a situation where that's not really the case. And um, then it becomes a case of, uh, for instance, if you, do you get prorated fab back? That's also kind of a rarity that I hear. That, you know, that if, if there are any leagues where there, you get fab in return for claiming an, un, an injured pitcher or injured player period, so I mean that could that could be a factor in your decision. Um, how how much more useful is the money to you uh, as opposed to? And, and then you have to look at it as uh, I mean I think perhaps the encouraging part if you're an AL only or an only league I would be still tempted to hold on to Tanaka because it's like well there's a pot well, I'm sorry I guess AL only is not really AL only is not an option so <laughs> but uh, there's you say well this is a deep league what are the chances that I come up with somebody who might be good enough to replace him and it's not there's obviously no one is going to replace him but you might you know it, it's even tougher to come up with a replacement in that type of league and then but if you can get Fab to replace him, and there's still the possibility that uh, that players come in, and that will assist you when a, a player is traded into the league. That's something to consider. Um, certainly, if you can get a boost that way, I mean, it would have been nice if you had just lost Tanaka. Also, to put it, you you just happen to be the guy who put in the big bid for Samarja, but you handicapped yourself in the Fab category. That's you could you can make the justification a lot more easily. So there are right, honestly, I mean, I put in money on Shane Green. Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting player, and that's and that's you know somebody we want to talk about. We can jump right to him. Is that I got got a tweet about him um, this past weekend, and, and it's Eno and I, and you know both said you know still not really a big believer in this guy, but two straight starts, a great debut, um, but uh, followed up by I think it's seven seven and a third shutout innings, but he struck out like ten. Yeah, in his last start, I mean. That's, those are phenomenal numbers. Two very good starts. Certainly not something to overlook. He has a 130 ERA through his two starts. Uh, he's only walked a few, like three guys. Uh, it, I mean, fantastic results. I'm not a big believer simply because, I mean, I can't help but wonder is good for it. I mean, no, a lot of the minor league numbers don't say, uh, I mean, basically until the tail end of last season and coming into Here's this the one. thing. 
the kind of crazy thing about him is you know, his first game this year, he came up and walked three of the five guys he faced. And then he was set back down. And then since he's come back up, he's been pitching like uh, like CC Sabathia, like they hoped he would pitch. <laughs> and you know when you watch him, I, I got I caught some of his start against the Orioles the other day, and the stuff looks decent. I mean, the breaking ball is pretty slick, and he doesn't really throw anything straight. I think you know first time around the league, that's going to work. Uh, we'll see what happens after that. I mean, people thought David Phelps was going to be the, some magic, and that bloom bust. And the same thing could happen here. But I don't care. I, I'm gonna if I can get this guy and uh, in, in in place of Tanaka. I mean, I, I need something. I need strikeouts. I was getting a lot of strikeouts from Tanaka. That's something I need to find. So if I can find him here, that'd be great. But this is uh, when you lose a guy of Tanaka stature, you do what you can. Yeah, it's a good point, and I think. Um... It seems like the potential for strikeouts, it may be there. I, I think, I, as, as I've learned a, a good bit from Eno, certainly not everything, but I, I try to learn a bit about pitch type peripherals and things like that. And um, Green seems like a pitcher, basically, he's a fastball slider guy, uh, but he, I mean, he seems to use a cutter, and that's also kind of a similar pitch. I, I think it just, it, I'm going to start to wonder, like you said, I think once there's, even if the scout, I don't even know if it's going to take. Uh, second time to the league is that you know if there's a book that makes his way around on him um, that you can you can wiggle him into counts or anything like that where he's forced to throw certain pitches he seems to have a limited repertoire so that, I think that's yeah that's where my concern lies is that um, but if the stuff if it's if it has good movement I mean he can he can make that last a little longer I think but just being kind of a fastball slider guy he's talked you know has talked extensively about pitchers such as Justin Masterson who can exist on that and have great seasons every once in a while for a while. But uh, ultimately uh, it's just, it's because of health and excellent command of the couple of pitches going on at any time that that's what really helps him to succeed quite a bit. Forgive me, you know, if I'm misquoting you or anything like that, but yeah, I, so I'm not real convinced, but I mean, it's, it's good stuff and the stuff that he has. I think ultimately he's probably better off as a reliever, but uh, there's certainly some intrigue there because it looks like he has the ability to go on some runs and pack and, and rack up some strikeouts potentially. I, I think in an AL league, I'd be happy to take a chance. And in, in a mixed league, I, I would probably not even, I dismiss him and I may miss out on that because of that. I understand that because there's somebody, there's always somebody in my mixed league who picks up a guy like green and I'm like, well, I'll let him take a shot on that. And it turns out that we're, you know, we, we, exactly. you never truly know. Exactly. So, yeah. And, and so I mean, we we have an idea of what you can do with Tanaka for the most part. It's say, hey, you know, let's let's not be one to wait around for this train. But uh, Yadier Molina probably a different story for us. This is a tough blow. I mean, this is this is just the kind of blow that says, hey, uh, if if Stephen Vote is still on my waiver wire, maybe I need to give this guy a try or something like that. You need to come up with a little bit of a. Uh, this is, I mean, you're basically probably looking at most of the rest of the regular season. I'm thinking with this with this yeah. with this injury. So bit of a tough blow catcher is not an easy place to replace uh, an easy position to replace the player especially if you spend a decent pick on him michael saunders strained oblique he'll be out for a bit that continues to be a uh, situation in seattle uh not, not a lot of other injuries that are really a big deal although i'm looking forward brandon to... phillips yeah yeah i mean you guys probably talked about that um, during the week uh not, not too much but i think uh well i did want to say quickly on the saunders situation that uh we Justin Smoke is back up. He'll probably see a little bit of playing time as a result mm-hmm. of this, but um, it's a situation in flux in Seattle where 
at this point, we're used to that. But what makes it interesting is that Seattle continues to show a lot of interest in Marlon Byrd, and they want a right, a significant right-handed bat. And so far, Byrd has proven basically the last year is not a fluke. Um, and again, they said they were. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier that he is willing to waive his no trade clause. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's something to keep in mind. Is in essence, if you are uh, dependent uh, on players in Seattle. Uh, outfield especially I think James Jones has pretty much earned his time there uh, but Saunders was kind of questionable and health has not always been on his side so I, I, I'm I'm uh, trying to think of their their alignment at this time um, but uh, I think that things at the very least in Seattle could be shaken up Corey, Corey Hart is probably going to remain part of it simply because I mean he's been a solid producer um uh, I don't know that it's, I, I mean, he hasn't been playing a lot since his activation from the DL. And I don't know if that's just because they, they're so not convinced he's 100%. But uh, I imagine the break is going to do him some good. He's been okay. Mm-hmm. But this is a team that is certainly, uh, it's, I think it's maybe it's a surprise to some folks. Uh, it does have a lot of talent. Um, it, it's an interesting. Surprise to me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting team in the second half, and if they add Bird to it, uh, it certainly I think it works out some things as far as the, where the playing time goes. I mean, Indy Chavez is no longer part of the mix. I would imagine if you trade for a Marlon Bird, for instance, so it becomes a it becomes a strong lineup, um, and uh, becomes a little clearer as far as playing time goes for some of those guys. If, if you have not yet, then it gives you a little incentive to move on from some of those guys. And Roberto Jimenez sprained ankle. Whatever. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to miss him too terribly much unless you're in an NA only league. But uh, uh, a bit of a, br- a tough break for the O's. Uh, but uh, good things for Kevin Gaussman, who's uh, pitched well so far tonight against the Yankees. And uh, Brandon Phillips, as you said, that's this is a, a bit of a blow. I think it's probably a bit of a bigger blow for those in NL only leagues. Not that, I mean, Phillips is a still a mixed league commodity. There's no question about that. But. Uh, just kind of a he's been he's because of his reliability uh, obviously the power and the speed especially are no, are no longer really there but the reliability in his place in the lineup uh, yeah making my going back to my jose molina stolen base crack jose molina has more steals than brandon phillips this year yeah that's certainly disappointing what i really want to know is um if you happen to get back in on the nolan Rymold shares uh, and it's already back on the disabled list with a strange cat. Shocking. So <laughs> shocking. I did not get back on that, but I did see the other day. I was Maybe it was Wednesday night. I was at the Baltimore game, and I saw some kind of note on my phone that Nolan Rymel had been removed from the game. I'm like, and we're back to being Nolan Rymel. Yeah. <laughs> disappointing because the, the opportunity for playing time is there with Edwin Encarnacion out and Adam Lind out. So, bummer. Uh, but that's that's where Ryan Mold is in this this portion. I mean, he's 30 years old. At this point, it's going to be kind of tough to to, to change the type of animal that he is. Mm-hmm. Alberto Colaspo, he's also out with a strained hamstring and opens up some playing time, perhaps for say Nate Fryman, I guess. Uh, maybe a Craig Gentry, depending on how they move things around, or that Trinity can continue to stay in there. Some some sneaky stolen base material. I think I kind of view him and. Jared Dyson, similarly in KC, and I guess now that I brought that up, I mean, I, I picked up Jared Dyson a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. I have Norichika Aoki, and I bid on him in 15-team mixed league tout wars. Uh, I think I was maybe one of the only bidders, might have been the only bidder, but 
bit several books on him just because I need stolen bases. And I was like, well, this guy's going to get the playing time. He's been a great asset. I, I don't even know yes. how many stolen bases he's. But this is this is the type of guy you look for when he gets the playing time. You want him. It's kind of like Rajay Davis when he wasn't starting versus when he was. And that's kind of the case now. But um, could be a similar case with Gentry. We've seen it already this season. But it's interesting this case. I, I, I just, I guess more so wanted to bring it up in, in Dyson's case because I think there's there. I haven't seen any updates on Alex Gordon's condition. He has a wrist sprain, and that could be. I mean that could that can keep a player out for quite a while. I don't know the severity of the injury. If it's, I mean for for owners of him sake, I have no shares, so I wouldn't mind seeing him miss some time. But uh, I do like Gordon as a player quite a bit, and uh, be shame for Casey to lose him for significant time. But uh, a Dyson pickup has paid off for me well so far, and I think that there you know every reason to continue to think that I could, that could continue based just on that development alone, because Aoki has just been activated from the disabled this earlier this week. So, uh, that could be kind of a bonus, uh, something, something to keep in mind. It's always, always keep those players in mind who benefit from the playing time that are kind of regular instant ads, uh, in those cases. Yes. Uh, before we, we do want to get into some, um, just, uh, things to discuss some kind of, uh, all, all-stars and uh, some awards. But before we do, just want to get into real quick, I think also uh, two little things to discuss. Um, number one was, I guess, uh, Chris Johnson in Minnesota uh, is up for Ricky Nolasco, uh, who has who is on the disabled list with stiffness of flexor pronator and elbow. Is the, that what you call whiplash these days? <laughs> is that... <laughs> That is, uh, well, yeah, God, I guess he sucked this year. Yeah, he had, and, and that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the mo for for Nolasco, I guess. Uh, most seasons, I mean, I've certainly learned to stay away from pitchers who uh, throw straight stuff and are in the strike zone a little too much. <clears throat> Scott Baker, and I think, um, uh, jo- I mean, Johnson. Basically, I'm just curious. Like, to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about him, and but the first thing I thought was, well, I don't really know who this guy is, but. Uh, question becomes to me when is it time for alex meyer when is it time for trevor may meyer now I, yeah now, yeah I, I think now yeah <laughs> and i think i mean understandably that perhaps the twins don't have a lot of incentive to bring those guys up they're not uh, unless you consider their uh possibility for a playoff shot that's slightly better than the Rays. uh <laughs> reason to bring those guys up and go for it but financially i guess they do not but you know, reality is, is those guys have to be pretty close to ready. I would think Meyer is yes. such such an intriguing player, such an intriguing pitcher, uh, and has occasionally scuffled in the minors this season. But it's certainly, um, I think, part of that is kind of getting used to, and the Twins asking him to work on some things. Uh, right, we've seen him pitch in the Arizona Fall League. His stuff is fantastic, and, and Trevor May has really bounced back from kind of a poor season last year. Uh, in the minors and has really kind of gotten things together in the last few months. I think he remains a really intriguing arm for them, kind of a, an interesting guy that could slot behind somewhere uh, behind Meyer in that rotation down the road. Uh, I think he could make his debut by the end of the season. So Johnson is not, uh, I mean, none of the numbers in the Meyer league say, Hey, this is a guy that I want to keep, keep in mind. I can't imagine that this is anything more than, than the twins bringing this guy up because they say, well, we don't want to, we don't want to debut Meyer simply uh, on this injury when we are not definitely opening up a spot for him. But it can't—I I can't imagine that it's not too far from from that point, right? Uh, and 
I think Meyer plays in mixed leagues, uh, deep at least deep mixed leagues. I'd want to see how it looks. He'd be a guy I would pick up and bench and see how it goes. But uh, I think he could play right away, even in deep mixed leagues. So, Agreed. And I wanted to get Jason's opinion on this because, uh, you know, Escobar is back from the disabled list, and Logan Forsythe has obviously hit extremely well since uh, that since he went on the disabled list or even probably a little bit before that. Uh, and he started off the scene hitting, like, I don't know, 112, uh, but has been fantastic in the last month plus. And um, a bit of a, a jack-of-all-trades. I mean, he, maybe he's kind of the future Ben Zobrist. I don't think Forsythe can play shortstop. If I'm not mistaken, but I know he was a former third baseman, so he can fill in at a number of positions, including a little bit in left field. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you see this indirectly because Zobers can play shortstop rest of season? Uh, chances that we see a kind of Escobar versus Forsyth play, for playing time for the rest of the season. Well, this also assumes that Zobers stays with the team the rest of the season. So really, it really hinges upon the trade deadline. I mean, the the team has been disappointed in how Escobar has played shortstop this year. I you know I I know from being there before I left and talking with people, and then looking at the defensive metrics on him, it's he's been terrible this year up the middle. As good as he was last year, you any defensive metric you want to use for Escobar this year, it's poor. Uh, and it's noticeable up there. I make the joke that maybe because his wallet's a little heavier with the new contract, uh, <laughs> that's why he's a step slow. But I think he's lost two steps in that in the shortstop this year. And it, it's noticeable when he was out on the disabled list and Ben Zobrist was playing shortstop, the defense was better. And Ben Zobrist, has, I think, has lost a step too. But uh, that Zobrist, Forsyth, middle infield was turning the double plays and making the outs that the Escobar Zobrist middle infield was not now if you know they do decide to make a trade it wouldn't surprise me if Zobris were traded even though he has a controllable team option again you're looking to to improve the the the, the franchise over the next few seasons there's a market demand for a Ben Zobers. You look at Cincinnati, who just lost Brandon Phillips. They need a second baseman. Uh, you know that's something that would possibly come into play. So if if Zobers is traded, then I don't. I think it's it's a moot point. But if he right. does stay around, I definitely could see Forsythe sticking at Escobar losing some time and Ben Zobers playing some shortstop because Escobar has hurt them in the field. Now since he's come back from the disabled list, which was with a shoulder issue. He's made some of the plays that he wasn't making before he went on the disabled list. Maybe he had a come-to-Jesus moment uh, on the disabled list. They talked to him, but uh, I saw him make a couple of plays today in the uh, game against Toronto that he wasn't making before he won the DL. Okay. And do you think it's possible that this – I didn't see how the injury occurred. Is it possible that the health was uh, affecting his defense? No. Okay. No. Not at all. Okay. It's interesting. I think. I mean, I think, that I, I think based on – it, like, it didn't surprise me when the Rays uh, uh, had Forsyth included in the, I think it was the Jesse Hahn deal in the offseason. Jesse Hahn, Alex Torres for Brad Boxberger and Logan Forsyth and two other pitchers. Right. And I, it didn't shock, like, I, I kind of get the, I got, have been getting the impression that I think I think the Rays really like a player, like Forsyth, that they like him specifically yes. and they like players like him. Um, and, I mean, he's, he's a good little player. Um, Probably offers about the same fantasy wise as Escobar. So, but um, I think he has more upside than Escobar because Escobar, I think Escobar kind of has lost his 
upside teasing ability, which is kind of sad. I used to really like Escobar. I thought he was kind of a, you know, a guy who could maybe compete mm-hmm. for a batting title one day. I really like the offensive skills. I think he's kind of lost that, and I'm not sure it's entirely based on losing the physical ability, although at this point in his career it probably is. But Forsyth is, at this point, I'd say he has more fantasy upside. Uh, still, I'm not sure that he plays in very, even in very deep mixed leagues, but I think it would be kind of a warm body type at minimum that he gets on a hot streak. And so he's an interesting player. He might contribute the occasional home run, might steal the occasional base, but um, interesting player. And uh, there, as, as Jason pointed out, Zobris is certainly a candidate to be traded. I know the rate. I think the option for him is seven and a half or eight million or something like that. And so, seven and a half. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's not necessarily something where the Rays say, "Hey, this is we love Zobris." Zobris is probably worth that because of the versatility, the way he, he's a consistent defender even though he's kind of lost a little bit as far as the offensive contributions. But there's also a very good chance that uh, a contending team really values the kind of defensive flexibility he has as well, considering, I mean, there are certainly some teams out there that have to be concerned if they lose a number, uh, you know, a player at any number of positions and having a player of his caliber that could fill in him. I think that would be a really attractive trade piece. for. Right. I mean, if Cincinnati, if Cincinnati wants to trade Ben Lively to the race for Ben Zerbers, not going to complain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So of course, yeah. Lively went to my college, so I'm a bit biased. <laughs> but we're talking about a guy that has, you know, number possibly, you know, possibly low three, high four starting potential this year in the minor leagues. Ninety eight and two thirds, seventy four hits allowed, hundred and twenty two strikeouts, thirty walks. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, certainly. Um, and I think, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Rays do. Um, here in the next week or two after the all-star break in terms of their record, because there'll be, there'll be an interesting team to watch obviously for a number of players. Uh, And uh, it it really wouldn't surprise me if if David Price is still with this team by the end of the season at all. They gave him a nice going away. Like every player made it a point to hug him after the game today on the field. It was kind of weird. Uh Oh, uh Oh yeah. I'm going to cry now. (laughs) (sighs) But I do love, I love Price. Rest of the season, I think his second half could be even nastier than than his first. And his first, just because he had a little bit of a rough start, despite the fact that the peripheral numbers were outstanding. So I think he could he could he looks like a, a decent bet to me to win that second AL Cy Young award. Jeez. Nine and seven, you could take Tanaka out of the race. So, I mean, that, <laughs> that, that removes. <laughs> that that is, removes somebody. But you look at you know, Felix that, Felix Hernandez has been. I mean, he's kind of. And we'll get into that, but you know, well, I mean, Price is five and one over his last six with a buck sixty nine ERA and a point nine zero WHIP. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's that's where that's how good the numbers have been lately. Yeah. Before we get to these awards, uh, Jason, I did just want to mention that there's a commenter on uh, our last, I believe it was our, our last podcast, when uh, you were complaining about the tough luck rule. Uh, a fellow by the name of. I assume it's a fellow. I apologize. Uh, a commenter by the name of simply TM says he has a spot for you in his NL only league. No tough luck BS, no vetoes, only the best. Sounds like a good invitation. Something you might want to keep in the back of your mind. You have my email address, first name dot last name at Gmail. Send me the details. I'll take a look. <laughs> Outstanding. Now, uh, we, we like to wind down ordinarily the pods with, uh, our favorite two-term pitchers of the week, but uh, unless you play in a really weird league, that's not happening this week. And uh, it's a good opportunity to kind of name our favorite all-stars. I think we'll go AL and NL uh, by position now, and and we'll do kind of the the, the standard awards by league as well. But uh, 
first, before we get into it, this is a this kind of award thing for fantasy purposes. Do we now? I have to ask: Do we want to do this in real baseball terms and fantasy terms? Just fantasy terms? We think we stick with uh, fantasy terms because it's a fantasy, fantasy terms podcast. Just because that's, I think, that's our topic, and yeah, yeah, because I just think there's. People are going to be surprised. I know I was when I was looking at some of the numbers. I'm like, yeah, I knew this guy was doing well, but holy crap, I didn't realize it was that well. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, that sounds fantastic. And and what I think is even more fun or maddening, depending on how you look at it, is uh, that fantasy awards um, have a different meaning. Uh, they are even more subjective uh, than the real-life awards because is it just the most valuable player or is it – the player who has delivered the most value? Is it the player that has come out of nowhere? Um, and, and I think it's, it could really be any of all those things. I think my personal opinion is it's nearly impossible to give that award to like Mike Trout is kind of easily the um, fantasy MVP in the AL for me. I think well, not right, easily, he's but the, he's the high, he's, he's even in mixed league. He's, he, he's been the top guy, but he should be. Right, and, and but like it, from a, from a real life perspective, he's the MVP. But like from a fantasy perspective, I could not call him the fantasy MVP because he's he's doing what you paid for him to do, and like if you're not getting that value, like that's that's, that's kind of the way I look at it. Is like even if he was delivering, unless he was giving me like sixty dollars worth of value, I would have difficult, you know, and I paid forty for him. I would have difficulty calling him. Uh, I would not call him an MVP in fantasy terms. No, Mike Trout's the Ferrari of, of fantasy right. baseball players. You get what you pay for. It. Exactly, exactly. So um, there's certainly there's certainly going to be some. Uh, there's a lot more subjectivity to this, I think, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of responses we might get to this. Um, but I think so, personally, I think some of these would probably be not not easily debatable. But uh, uh, you may certainly see otherwise. I think it's all right. Where so, are we going to start? Um, Let's go with uh, let's go with the AL catchers, um, and yeah, I think I'm just going to go like AL that. Catchers, okay. Yep. Go ahead, sorry. We'll go AL. Uh, I think we'll just go by position and go AL, NL, then AL, NL. Okay. So let's go with uh, first your your AL catcher. Uh, my AL catcher this year for what was paid, you know, we're, we're getting back to the value point, I think Kurt I, Suzuki. I think you know, Kurt Suzuki was pretty much dollar day material. Yeah. And he's been productive. Yes, I know it's he's, it's laughable. He's an all star, uh, but he's hitting three ten and he's driven in thirty six runs. He's not hitting home runs, but you didn't draft him for that. But you know that's a really solid line what he's putting up in AL league for a guy that you paid a buck for. Yeah, I have to say, I mean that's not. I, I think um, considering that from Suzuki and uh, I think that he drove in like twenty two of those. 36 runs in like right the first away. five, six, five weeks or something like that. When first Minnesota, five or six games. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> might have been. I mean, he was – it was phenomenal. And that was when Minnesota was like the top – I mean, they were the top – one of the top offenses, maybe the top offense in the AL for like the first month. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, that was, you know, when Chris Colabello was – was, it was him, right, taking the league by storm. Yes. Uh, so that was uh, – I can't argue. I, for me, it's – I love the guys, Derek Norris – um, yeah, I, and I mean, he's right now, he's kind of, I guess maybe it depends on uh, how you, how the, your value meter comes up, but, uh, uh, he's probably been the most valuable catcher in AL only leagues anyway, but 
I mean, for behind some... Perez, Sal Perez is the only one who's got more value. Okay, and and in, in the sheets I'm looking at, he actually is significant. He is, he is he has been more valuable, and it could be. I mean, this is probably based somewhat on league parameters, but nor you didn't pay as much for Norris, obviously. But th- this has been to me, it's been a true breakout season. I wrote an article earlier on him in the season for what the the kind of development that he's made. I think that he is. Um, become a little in essence in ways become a little more uh, willing to swing the bat although not necessarily more aggressive he's still taking a, a high number of walks but he's he's hitting right-handed pitchers and they're I think more important is that they've given him the opportunity to hit against right-handed pitchers something that he showed that he could do in the minors but had not yet done so prior to the season in the majors um, and given that they had John Josso Jaso is it Josso or Jaso Jaso as, as an option um, but they've they've Free, they had freed things up in order to play J- uh, Jaso at DH often enough that that Norris was going to get those opportunities, and I think anybody who's gotten him has been they've been thoroughly thrilled. And I mean, he you know I'm going to guess maybe he went for like an AL labor and tout, maybe like five, seven, nine dollars somewhere in that rough range, um, and has probably delivered at least twice that. Uh, I love the guy. I think that he's going to be a good one for years to come. Yeah, I mean the thing with uh, with Suzuki last year he hit 232 with 20 extra base hits and I'm sorry with 19 extra base hits and 32 runs driven in this year 309 with 20 extra base hits and 36 runs driven in and the all, nearly the exact same number of at bats that's been that's been the improvement and and that's why I was like yeah you know <laughs> wow I know a lot of that was early but it's like holy crap where did that come from yeah that's um and. and... It's been a pitch. I mean, this is a guy that was hard for me to peg for a while. I mean, I, um, we had a commenter point this out to us early, or to me early in the season, was that the Minnesota had spent a lot of time working on him change, uh, changing his swing plane. I guess it was, and so, I mean, he's he's hit a lot of line drives, and and this is something. This is not it's not the first franchise to work with him. Washington also did a little when they traded for him, but I mean, this is a guy who's kind of plummeted since he's left um, Oakland. It's mm-hmm. been. And even while he was there, toward the end there, he was not an offensive help whatsoever, really. So this is, uh, I mean, yuck it up, uh, Suzuki owners. And, and at this point, I think the signs say, I mean, he may not hit 300 for the rest of the season. But I, I don't really see anything that says as long as he continues to, uh, to swing with the same kind of patterns and you know, keep the same kind of hitting mechanics that he can't hit 270 or 280 at least. Um, it's kind of a nice little renaissance. And it, would, it would be kind of neat if you continue to keep that up and... Uh, is I guess it's always important to remember that catchers sometimes uh, have this late peak power spike type thing that goes on. So by the time he's losing some of the batting average, if he can keep that, keep any of that, uh, maybe he starts to hit for some power again. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the NL, to me, it's a no-brainer. Uh, but uh, let me see what you have to say about it first. Uh, over in the NL, I had my for me it's Devin Mazzarocco. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's a bust. And I was like, as soon as you got freed from the Dusty Baker, I'm like, oh, Mezzarocco was somebody that I have in three leagues. I was targeting the heck out of that guy because there was power there. And if it wasn't for that that stint on the DL from the oblique injury, his numbers would be just massive right now. Yeah, and they're massive anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, it, he frankly ticks me off because <clears throat> this is – and but he's done some things. that I mean, it's also a player who is – I think part of this is uh, we talk a little bit about is there some truth to, you know, catchers, some catchers take longer. Da, da, da. I mean, this is I think this is a product, of, a product of a lot of different little things, but primarily it's that Miserocco is given the opportunity. And 
the ability, the ability was there, but he had he did make some changes also coming into the season, uh, kind of minor, but has really taken advantage of and has has really uh, expanded on that uh, the pull power. He's been fantastic there. I still I, I was I've been skeptical of whether he could keep up the batting average wise. I know the power is for real, but uh, and so far so good. I think I'm still a little skeptical with the. I mean, there's no reason that this guy can't end up with uh, say twenty. 23, 24, 25 home runs at least. And I, I still think that there's going to be some give back in the batting average by the time season's all said and done. But the, mm-hmm. regardless, um, assuming no more injuries, this guy's been fantastic and, and will continue to be. So now it comes down to, I think first base is going to be a very interesting uh, position uh, was in, in the AL. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe it won't be. Um, uh, because I guess I think there are probably a couple of different ways you could go about this. Uh, I mean, it should be Jose Abreu, even even if you go by you know what you paid for him. I think I paid twenty five for him in tout, and he's been worth uh, probably and, forty. <laughs> yeah, it's been worth ridiculous. Even in a fifteen team mixed league, he's been worth thirty five this year. So for me, I'm I'm going to take Jose Abreu by either standard because he's been. He's slugging 631 coming into play today. He's got 29 home runs. He's driven in 73. A lot of people are wondering if he could do that over a full season, and he's done it in eight, exactly 81 games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, because he missed, yes. I think, the minimum with a sprained ankle, 15 Correct. days. So. And he played through it before he went on the disabled list. Mm-hmm. So I think I, it's really hard for me to argue. I think the only thing that makes me hesitant, uh, part of it, I'm, I'm – I deserve some flack because it's it's it is definitely hard to go against Brayu. I think I'm I'm still not entirely sure, but I think uh, given the kind of breakout, I, I think it is a true kind of legit breakout for Brandon Moss. Is that mm-hmm. um, relative to? I mean, he was he was a late round pick for me in a mixed league, and certainly, I mean, I want to say I did. I, I remember doing an AL mock, and I remember I think he went for the same thing in AL labor. It was like twenty bucks, and so that was surprising to me. I thought he might go for a few couple bucks less, but um, but still, then I think I think the amount of value like in an AL only league, I think it's a little uh, it, it it swings in Abreu's favor because I don't think Abreu went for too much more than Moss. But uh, say in a mixed league, I think that there would be a distinct difference in the prices. And uh, so you could probably make that argument a little more easily. In the end, it's got to—I think it's got to be a Brayu simply because the guy's on pace for like 50 home runs and 130 RBIs. And you know, I guess I—I I, I, projecting him in the preseason, I wasn't sure that he had that um, had that quite in him, to be honest. Looking at the numbers in Cuba, but so far, no one has been able to find the holes. And maybe there aren't nope. any. <laughs> maybe there aren't any at this point. But in the in the NL, also, I think it's going to be a little bit interesting uh, because clearly Paul Goldschmidt is still the class of the fir- the position. Sure. Um, you've had Todd Frazier now earn the eligibility there, probably. Um, and obviously, he's had he has play. he's got ten games. He's so, going to get. I, mean, I think he's going to kind of get that nod for us at the third base position. So yes, I'm not giving <laughs> yes, it to him so at we first. Just go ahead and put that on the <laughs> That's why I was like, ah, no, I'm going to wait for third base because yeah. he's got the 89. I mean, for me, honestly, it's Justin Morneau, a guy that I thought looked dead last year. Mm-hmm. I thought he was over and done with, and I couldn't believe that Colorado gave him a contract. But the fact that you know, coming into play today, he's driven in 59, he's hitting 307, slugging almost 500. I mean. I, on draft day, I wouldn't have paid five bucks for Justin Morneau. I thought he was done. He looked so bad last year. 
and those are good numbers. Yeah, and coming off the coming off the concussion issues, I mean, I, I considered it a good possibility. I didn't. I don't have any shares, and I am. I mean, obviously, I'm disappointed in that. Oh, now. he was on my avoid list. I had I have zero of them. I was interested, but by that time, I was always filled up, and I was like, ah, you know, I don't. I don't need to take that chance. I don't have to worry about that. But I mean, the move to Colorado, obviously, that's that's always inspirational. But uh, I think just in addition, the health reports on him were kind of. They continue to be positive. It takes a lot of time for a guy who's had a lot of concussion issues to really get past that, if he ever does. I think that's the, the problem is that there was there was definitely enough reason to think that he was never going to get over the concussion issues at this point. This is a guy who had concussion issues. Admittedly, he didn't even know how many he'd had as a youth playing hockey in Canada. So uh, really, really inspiring. I mean, it's, it's a cool story. And uh, I mean, it's nice. Uh, definitely. That's a good pick. I think. I'm kind of I'm going to go with Casey McGee and oh, you know what I'm not going to go with him because he's a he's eligible third yeah I, I think I will because even though he's eligible third base I think he still has to go to Todd Frazier and, and McGee has been I mean the guy has driven in like what 50 runs with a two five I think with two home run one home run on the season one. I mean that makes me nauseated and and any player who pisses me off to the point of nauseation. Um, <laughs> Because I mean, this uh, he's he's mixed league ownable everywhere. I mean, like nobody, everybody dismisses Casey McGee, especially in Miami. But and you know, I mean, this is a, you know, reports say he's made he'd made some. I think I think he went to Japan uh, was is his big deal and learned said he learned a lot about um, how to hit off speed stuff and breaking stuff and that's cool for him. Um, I hate all his fantasy owners though. AL second base. Who do you got there? AL second base for me, Brian Dozier. 16 home runs, 16 stolen bases. Yeah, the batting average sucks, but that's counting Corey, counting category awesomeness. Plus 67 runs scored. I mean, that's strong three-category production. Even three and a half if you throw in the 41 runs he's driven in. Um, I, I, I remember speaking with uh, Jeff Erickson and we were doing a lot of mocks together in the off season. I think even you were in a couple of them and we were just kept like, why is Dozier keep falling? I think Jeff has probably seven shares of the guy uh, <laughs> in multiple places, but I, I, you know, Brian Dozier for some reason just wasn't getting a lot of respect on draft day. And yeah, it's a three and a half category. The only were the only place he's not helping you he was batting average. But if you're an OBP league, he's got a 338 OBP and he'd be a stud in, in an OBP league. That is true. He'd be a so there. I, I can't argue with the selection at second base. Like I really can't find a candidate that I could even consider remotely close to that honor for fantasy purposes. I mean, Jose Altuve's had a great season, but I mean, comparatively speaking, in terms of cost, and a lot of I knew a lot of people who liked Dozier, but it was never enough to drive up his cost. And I liked him, but I just always felt I. I mean, I thought, what did he hit last year? Thirteen. Home runs or eight, 16, 18. I can only, I, I can't even remember. But I just thought, I think that's a product of a little bit of luck on the, on the home run balls. And, you know, I kind of pegged him still as a thirteen to fifteen home run hitter, uh, and that'd be his peak. I mean, he hit that. Uh, well, actually, he didn't. Hit, he hit fifteen. He was and 18, 16. 14. He was eighteen fourteen last year. Okay, and I thought. I mean, I, I seriously thought. Okay, thirteen to fifteen home run hitter, which is still good, and a guy who can steal bases, uh, but. And he's in the home run derby tomorrow night. <laughs> that is, that is, um, I guess, uh, because I guess it's cool because he's uh, it's at target field at least. Although it might not be cool for him. I mean, watch him now hit the most, but uh, that'll be interesting anyway. But uh, in second base, I think it's going to be a, a much more interesting argument uh, because there seem to be a lot of candidates. 
but um, and and no one really jumps out to me except for maybe if you want to call the Josh Harrison find for Pittsburgh. I mean, he's he's always been a guy I kind of liked a little bit in terms of hitting ability, but figured he'd be exposed if he had to play sure. every day. But Scooter Jeanette, good choice, perhaps. I mean, there's nobody. Chase Utley has had a great season. Um, and I think primarily this is, I mean, it's certainly health related, but this is the first season. Um, first or second. I can't remember now. All right. Did he play? I mean, season? I'm going to go with D Gordon since he qualifies us. He, you know, he's played all year at second base. That's a guy that I like Moreau dead wrong about. Didn't think he would hit enough to stay in the major leagues and play as a full-time player. 42 stolen bases later at a 293 batting average and a 345 OBP. Oops. Yeah. Missed that one. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I really and I had a guy earlier in the year was trying to trade me D Gordon, a couple of guys for Billy Hamilton, and I like what Hamilton's done. But man, if I would have taken that deal, it may have worked out well for me, uh, because I mean, it doesn't even NL, matter. What D the other Gordon's the most viable second baseman. Yeah, you know, now that I say, I feel kind of yeah. It's like I completely skip past. I, I didn't even think like D Gordon has been. Yeah, he's another. He's no. He's actually probably he's more of a no brainer than Dozier at the second base position in his league. Yeah, there's really no question. He was cheap. I mean, he was cheap. He was a pickup in because any mix league. People will say, "Oh, he's going to lose his job to Alex Guerrero," and yeah. and they they signed Guerrero. So what are they going to do with D Gordon? He was cheap, but he's providing a ton of value. Yeah, and to the Dodgers' credit, to Gordon's credit, uh, they put in a ton of time working with him uh, to learn to get on base with the bunting, um, with taking pitches, and know that this is not a player who was ever going to be like great at taking walks, but that they wanted to improve his selectivity. I mean, more credit, especially to the player. I mean, it is really uh, you know credit due to him. I think quite a bit because he and his defensive second base has really improved. Um, I think it, it, that's a it's a cool story. Uh, I do kind of hope it continues for him, except for the fact that I don't own him anywhere. And again, like that's, I, I put in a bid as a flyer for him. I was down on the list and ended up, you know, wow. I mean, that has worked out well. I think those those are to me those are the those are the real fantasy all stars because they're difference makers who cost you very little. And those are yes, talk about that. You know, at, at baseball HQ's first pitch forums, it's those kind of the black swans and stuff like that. Those, those players who come from nowhere, those are the difference makers that end up making you a contender because you're going to lose. There's always, there are going to be a number of players in your team every year who you, you bought and disappoint you. But however many of these difference makers who cost you very little uh, early on that you end up with, they are the ones who, who make up for that. And then some, and mm-hmm. Gordon is one of those players that has put you in contention. I would be almost certain to bet that. Um, so, I mean, switching to third base, um, in the AL, we've already talked about the NL, so we can just touch on that briefly, but in the, in the AL, uh, Cabrera certainly is earning his money for the most part. Uh, Kyle Seager, fantastic season, but I mean, I think it's, to to me, it's Lonnie Chisenhall. I love to see the breakout from the kid, uh, and, uh. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I really can't add much. To that. He's he's like Devin Masarocco, a catcher, somebody who had who has an op- who has an opportunity, took it and ran with it. Yeah, um, and it, and it really this is the first time that the Indians were no longer willing to hand him the opportunity. That's what's interesting to me about it is that I mean they were given Carlos Santana the playing time at third base essentially coming into the season, and Chisenhall basically said, well, you know you're going to give me the playing time because he's continued to hit. And 
I think it's this is a player. It's it's disappointing to me from one perspective is that I I was kind of on him for the past two three years. I liked him. I thought he could be kind of a little bit of a left handed hitting version of Michael Young, a line drive hitter, not real spectacular in power or anything like that, but a guy who could hit for decent average and a little bit of power, at least against right handed pitching, enough to be a solid platoon player. And at least this year, it's pretty much more than that. I do hope uh, would like to see him continue this for his career and see that he ends up being a, a solid player, but. And, in the in the NL, uh, it's hard to say it's not Todd Frazier. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not even going to mention another guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, and 18 home runs, 291 batting average, and that's uh, that was heading into today. Um, but he hit another, so it's it's 19 home runs now, I guess. And uh, we talked about him earlier, and uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago or less, in, uh, and uh, you know, and I did, and just there's not necessarily anything that he's doing spectacularly different. It's just um, part of, I mean, he's, he's made some, some changes uh, in his stance and things like that. Players are going to do that throughout their career for the most part. But um, I mean, this is a, a player going into the next season. I would be willing to bet that he's overvalued. It's hard to carry those things, even the changes over from year to year and have them consistently. I mean, timing, getting timing back year after year, especially when you made some changes is it's a process. So, uh, but uh, I mean, I'd still project him to be a 20, you know, maybe a 20 home run hitter with a 250, 260 batting average. But Todd Frazier is on and, you know, it's he's proven that uh, there's there's not too many ways to exploit his strike zone right now. So it should continue, I would think, for the most part. Shortstop. What do you think of shortstop? AL shortstop. This is a oh. crappy position. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. What I think is the position sucks. Uh, it, it just, I mean, honestly... The one guy that I can that I, could, I feel comfortable saying for AL is Alcides Escobar. Yeah, he never cost you money, and he's got 22 steals and 41 runs. He's hitting 280. So, and that's it. Yeah, I really can't make another case for AL shortstop. Alexi Ramirez, you're paying for him. I think I paid mm-hmm. uh, 12 for him in Tout Wars. But I mean, with Esco- with Alcides Escobar, it's cheap, and that's really it. I mean, even at National League. Tulowitzki does what he does. D. Gordon qualified as shortstop from last year, but you know you're looking at National League shortstop saying, "Ooh, gee, who? Maybe Jimmy Rollins?" Because a lot of people thought, you know, he was so bad last year, and he's got 11 homers and 19 runs driven in this year. So there's there's some stuff there, but this is a terrible position this year. I think he means uh, 19 stolen bases, yes, which is much better. Yeah, I'm sorry, he has <laughs> 11 homers. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. People think people thought it was over for Rollins, so that's. Yeah, he's, I think he's been a find. That's probably I think that's the best pick in the NL, frankly, because we've uh, partly because we've given the the honor to Gordon and, and at second base. I, we, I think if you give it a Gordon shortstop, but I think there's no clearly no better guy. You know, we can play with the positions a little bit there. So uh, I think it's I think that's an excellent pick there, and I I, I agree totally with the uh, pick of Escobar at uh, AL. Uh, the only thing you might you know Danny Santana came out of nowhere, but. That was a short-lived thing, especially because the trip to the disabled list, and so that never was really we we have yet to see that come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, in the outfield, we pick three outs. Do you want to go left field, right field, center field, or no. okay, yeah, let's just do three outfielders. That's I think keep it no. simple. Um, AL outfield. Um, Michael Brantley, I think, is got to be at the top of that list. I don't know, very few. 
Bernie Pleskoff was on Twitter and has talked about Michael Brantley a few times dating back to last year, even earlier this year. I, you know, he's liked Michael Brantley. And I remember talking to him about it, thinking, yeah, he's a decent player, but he's already surpassed. He's got a career uh, high home run total now. Mm-hmm. He's on pace to exceed his career high in stolen bases. Now he's hitting 326. You know, where did this come from? It, you know, people are going to say, oh, he's age 27. So it's an age 27 theory. That theory is garbage. It's as bad as Jenny McCarthy and, and vaccines. So don't believe in it. Uh, but he's having a good year. It's his fourth full season in major leagues. I think Melky Cabrera's come back because a lot of people thought he was done. I know I got him for eight bucks. I think I paid eight bucks for him in Tout Wars. Uh, but I know he was cheap and I was able to grab him. That would be number two. And, you know, Rajai Davis, because you know he it took he's taken that job, the the opportunity given to him by Andy Dirks getting hurt and has stolen twenty four bases, is hitting two eighty seven and AL. I mean, there's a lot of value there. Rajai Davis, I think, was an eight to ten dollar player. Yeah, um, well, I, I paid. Perhaps embarrassing myself, I paid an AL labor back when I could still have that team. Uh, I paid thirteen dollars for him, but I loved him because I thought he was going to get the playing time opportunity. Uh, and it's, I don't think it's a bad pick because the stolen bases have been there, and he's he's hit. He's at, and he's hit right-handers, which I think I think he. My opinion is he's always been given a little less credit than than he deserves against right-handed pitchers. I think that the numbers don't entirely tell the story for him, but we could probably say that about a lot of players. I think that's just always been my opinion that people will have a hard time convincing me otherwise. But he's been so. I'm going to go with. I like the first two picks of yours, Melky and uh, especially Brantley, because he's always he's been this like ten dollar to thirteen dollar player in AL and AL leagues and a one dollar player. I got him for yes. one one dollar last year in mixed tout. And I mean that's he was like a target of mine as like this consolation. I want to I want a one dollar outfielder because I know he's going to play. And it was, you know, it's a great value for me, but, um, I, I would not have, yeah, I don't, I've, I've, and because of that, like you say, Plesko, I've always liked Brantley. I always thought he was, these players, he was eventually going to have this kind of break. I, I kind of thought last year was like, that's it for Brantley. Like that's, thank goodness he's reached his ceiling. Apparently I'm stupid. <laughs> uh, it, it's been phenomenal. Um, so I, I love the two picks there with Melky. I think, yeah, another guy we all thought was dismissed. I'm gonna, but I'm going to go with the guy who seems to have taken the playing time from Davis, and that's J.D. Martinez. I think that at this point he's the difference maker to me, the guy who's come out of nowhere. Um, and I think he's he's made some huge overhaul to his swing. Uh, he works all winter, to, to, and he's taken a lot of the hole out of it, I think. And, and uh, at this point, Detroit has no reason to take him out of the lineup. I mean, he's going to play pretty much regularly the rest of the season, barring some kind of problems. I mean, he's there's certainly going to be the batting average is at risk eventually, uh, especially when teams start to get a longer look at him. Uh, because it's partly because it's new swing, but the swing and miss is still a bit there, and he's never been a guy who's taken a ton of walks. So there's not necessarily the the, the but he's driving the ball, and uh, I think it's it's phenomenal. I love I I love what Martinez has done. He was waived this year by the Astros. Yeah, and even Luno said when he waved, him, we're a victim of our own success. Yep. Now they made the wrong call. I you know you look at L.J. Hose who has not done anything, but. Martinez has certainly uh, take, took advantage of the opportunity that Detroit gave him and, and has run with it. Yeah, it's I guess and it's kind of hard to I guess it's kind of hard to blame Houston because you say, well, we have to look at the young players. But I mean, Martinez is not he can't be that old, maybe 27 as well. I'm not sure exactly, but uh, it's it's a cool story, to say the mm-hmm. least. 
Um, NL outfielders, uh, I already named one of mine in Marlon Bird, I think, because it was, again, this kind of... Agreed. Yeah, everybody yeah, dismissed, and it's, it's been another solid year. And she Agreed. Uh, Charlie Blackman, I think, would have to be high on that list because yeah. I don't think he was too expensive. And, you know, no. 306, 53 runs, 17 steals, 14 bombs. Um, and I'll still go Marcelo Ozuna. I know Ito and I, we did the team previews. I wasn't that high on Ozuna, and he was. And Ozuna, with 15 bombs... Uh, 52 driven in, 45 scored, has been a top 12 NL outfielder. Yeah, you know, that's that's an, I, I think I'm going to agree with you because I like Ozuna, and I really don't like, uh, I kind of dislike Seth Smith. I mean, he's, considering that this guy is, like, I think he's kind of, he was an afterthought this year. I mean, he has the mm-hmm. 10 home runs. I think he's been a great, he's been a, he's been a phenomenal value to hit uh, 280-ish and hit the 10 home runs. Uh, and, and he's missed some time, but I mean, it's a guy who's on pace to you know hit 15, 16, 17 home runs uh, for an inept offensive team. Um, value wise, I think he might get he 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 really might be deserving of the nod, but uh, just because I don't like him and I can be subjective about it, I think I'm going to go with your pick and, and say Marcelo Zuna. <laughs> and so now it brings us to uh, for the uh, I think we'll just name. But uh, I don't know how you go about this uh, naming. I'd say a starter and a closer from each league. Okay, because I think yeah, that'll maybe that'll just kind of wrap up. I mean, like kind of our fantasy Cy Young awards. That'll just be our pick for that. I mean, it, I mean, it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so who do you have in the NL for starting pitcher? Uh, NL starting pitcher. Um, let me think about this a second. Well, NL we, starting pitcher. We can go to the hey, Alfredo Alfred. Simone. Yeah, that's that was actually he's been on my mind the whole time. And Jason Hamill, I think, was close, but he's not in the. NL See, I love anymore, Hamill. So. He's not even a bargain for me. Yeah. <laughs> but who saw the, who saw twelve wins, a two seven ERA, and a buck five WHIP yeah. uh, for Simone? You know, he was a he was a backup bid for me and and mixed out uh, maybe a couple few weeks into the season, and I think Scott Engel ended up, uh, from Roto Experts ended up winning him uh, because he was also kind of. Consolation bid for him, and just he's been phenomenal. Cut fastball has been huge. Cut fastball command. Mm-hmm. That's it, and I can't help but think sooner or later he's going to hit a wall. But uh, simply because he's been a reliever, I think the fatigue might be a problem. But I mean, he is older. He's not. It's not like this is a young guy where they have to be concerned about the innings. The Reds are going to let him go. So I think at some point he might. Hear, I think the question will be: This is what to me is going to be interesting about Simone is he hits a wall where he has like a rough month, perhaps. And then fantasy owners say, oh, okay, we knew this was coming sooner or later. But the question is, and I think it's a good possibility, he gets it back together and say maybe maybe finishes with a strong September or has a strong postseason or something like that. I think that's a good – I think that's a possibility because it's not – I think that in a, in essence, it's a true break, kind of a breakthrough mm-hmm. for him. But, I mean, he's not, he's not this good of a pitcher, I don't think. But this is a true breakthrough for him nonetheless. Agree. I, I mean, on closer side, I think Francisco Rodriguez has to be it. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, he pitched so poorly for Baltimore last year after the trade. Uh, nobody saw this coming. He wasn't drafted as, I mean, Jim Henderson had the closing role to come out of camp. And then, you know, K-Rod's cooled off a bit. But when you look at the numbers right now for National League, you know, he's right up there as far as value for closers. And he was uh, an afterthought on draft day. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I can't think of anybody that even competes with him in the National League. Yeah, that's pretty much a no-brainer. American League might be a bit tougher, um, at least at least for the the the, uh, the reliever. We'll go to the starting pitcher first and just see what you think there. Garrett Richards for me. 
Yeah, let's I see. mean, Garrett Richards was a guy that was going single digits in drafts, and he's been worth – he's been a top five starting pitcher when you throw in the wins, the strikeouts, the ERA, and the whip. He's helping all across the boards, only about four home runs all season. That's, that's fewer homers than Felix, albeit in 20 fewer innings, but still. Garrett Richards, I don't think anybody had Garrett Richards earning more money than David Price, Max Scherzer, John Lester uh, during any point of this season. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's really tough to uh, – my memory is fuzzy in this, so I'm going to ask, uh, who was going for more? Was it was it uh, Richards or was it Scott Casimir? Casimir, uh, okay. Especially after the Oakland, a lot of people liked the, the ballpark. Okay, and I knew like overall, I think like I mean, he was still a guy labeled as a pro- a probable bargain. Another guy I didn't end up with any shares. Or, well, I don't think I did. Yeah, I think I did have him in one league. Again, I've lost a few teams. So, but. Uh, um, I, that sounds right, uh, but and Richards is a guy. I mean, you have to like a guy with velocity, and and he's really taking a step forward. I think I think a lot more of this breakthrough is mental than it is anything else, uh, because I think he's always had the stuff. But um, I, I'm sure there's probably something he's doing sequence wise or something different. But I think a lot of it was just mental for him because he's. I think the ability has long been there. Uh, and who's your relief pitcher in the American League? Uh, Zach Britton. Yeah, he's been able to pick up all the, the saves as Tommy Hunter imploded. Who didn't see that coming? I don't know who in this podcast would have talked about that repeatedly uh, and said, "Do not go anywhere near Tommy Hunter." Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Zach Britton has done very well. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised at how well Zach Britton has taken a hold of that closer role. But man, has he looked good at it? Yeah. In hindsight, I'm not surprised because, um. I mean, I thought Zach. I mean, he's he can throw that split ninety five, even ninety six. Sometimes is touch, you know, ninety four, ninety five is where it's. I mean, like that's a dangerous pitch at that velocity. And I thought, I mean, I come in it when I did projections way back. I mean, I got to tell you, I didn't think that this guy would even fit. He would even come, could even come out of the bullpen. Like I thought he'd be tough to get up and and down and things like that. Like I just, I didn't see success in the bullpen simply because it, it created some issues. But I mean, wow. And, but yeah, I gave my saves to Ryan Webb when I did projections, <laughs> and I, I like the way Webb's look, but my goodness. I gave some to O'Day. I mean, that's who I thought might be. Um, but, I mean, I think that, yeah, that's uh, – but credit due to the Orioles, they find this. And we talked about – I think it's great. I th- this has really been the only place that I've heard consistent pans of Tommy Hunter, both – I mean, not just like now or a month ago or two months ago, but like coming into the preseason. I think that that's – we knew to stay away from Tommy Hunter. It's great velocity. It's that's nice, but uh, you know uh, it's kind of straight, and he gives up a lot of home runs, and he's still kind of flaws are flaws are flaws. Correct, correct, correct. And so uh, now we've been through the positions. Who who is your MVP for the American League? Um, MVP for the American League, I'd have to go with Jose Altuve. Okay, wow. Not and it wouldn't be any of your all stars. I'm I'm gonna, I mean I'm gonna name I'm gonna go with one of the same guys I named as an all star, but uh, and it's tough for me to it, to go away from. Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna say it's JD Martinez. I think I feel like I'm overlooking someone, but uh, I think because to me it's that kind of who came out of nowhere. Who's like I think I think there's a decent chance that he contributes enough offensively the rest of the season that he continues to be that. But I think he's. He's my front runner for AL Fantasy MVP, so I'm going to give it to him now. Even maybe if the numbers aren't necessarily uh, say he deserves it, but I mean, let's go back. Let's go back and look at. I wanted to find 
um, Jose Altuve's Fangraph Plus write-up because I, you know, you look at this is why I put him as the MVP. I want to go back and find the uh, uh, the write-up just because of you know what it said and what it what it warned about. And yeah, I'm I was for it. So here, here's what it says here. Uh, oh, it's Tony Abreu. Uh, no, I don't want Tony Abreu. I want. <laughs> Oops, I'm not logged in. That's why. I'm like, why is it coming out with Tony Abreu? I don't want that. I remember, I mean, um, I thought he'd kind of hit his ceiling for a batting average in terms of um, the ceiling the ceiling possibilities for batting average. I didn't think – I was like, all right, we've seen the best of Altuve in terms of, you know, 280, 285 is probably the best average we can ask for, 290 in a really good BABIP year. Uh, and – uh, because he had started to have some some trouble in stolen base conversion rate. All right. Well, here, here's the here's the com here's the comment of him. Uh, Jose Altuve's 2002 breakout didn't carry over into 2013. Now he looks like a fringe option in standard leagues. Draft him later if you need steals, but don't expect an all around contribution. Meanwhile, only Mike Trout has been more valuable in American League so far. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I think relative to yeah, you make an excellent point. Um, so I think there, I think those are two very worthy picks myself. I mean, I I love Martinez simply I, that kind of out of nowhere factor and the fact that he's been so good. But uh, Altuve Altuve certainly well exceeded my expectations. That I, my question for you would be: Do you think Altuve kind of plays like this for the rest of the season? Maybe not three thirty nine batting average good, but I'll tell you what. In Tout Wars this week, I traded Jose Abreu for Jose Altuve straight up. I have power. I needed speed and batting and and uh, and runs, so I made the deal. Well, wow. well, credit to you, my friend. That is probably not a deal I would have done, but uh, I—it's an understandable one. Like I just—but part of it is because I'm always afraid to give up what I have. <laughs> but I think that's—that's uh, that's a bold, but I think it's certainly a move that can pay off because, like you said, I mean, I remember, you've talked about on this show a couple of times and with me several times about how you—you have—you have plenty of power, you need the stolen bases, and I think it's—that's kind of move that wins your fantasy championships, folks. Ain't going to win me a championship, but hopefully it gets me back in the top half. But <laughs> well, that's the kind of move that wins other people fantasy championships. <laughs> At least Larry Schechter won't be winning the league again. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, and how about your uh, your National League MVP? Um, what did I talk about earlier? I mean, Blackman was a possibility. I think I, uh, the other possibility, I think, is, is D. Gordon, I think. Yeah, I can't argue with that. The way he's dominating, the way he's dominating speed and everything, sure. The way he's got fantasy, it on base. Fantasy MVL, NL fantasy MVP, yeah, I can make that case. Outside of Kershaw. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not going to name a pitcher. I'm, I have that same kind of bias, whether we're talking fantasy or real. Yeah. <laughs> and you pay a lot of money for Kershaw, so sure. <laughs> yeah. It, every penny. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I, I think Gordon is it for me, and I... I Apologize for even overlooking him or to him and his family. Sorry, Tom Gordon, for overlooking <laughs> your son. He's been fantastic and, and awesome. And so, uh, I guess we'll come down to we can we can name our rookies of the year uh, real quick. Do you see uh, your fantasy rookie of the year in the AL? And you have a couple of choices, obviously, but I guess it seems pretty much a no brainer that it's Jose Abreu, especially now that Tanaka is out of the running. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wowzers to uh, Jose Abreu and NL. Um, to be honest, I'm not really sure. Nobody comes to mind off the top of my head, but I'm sure I'm overlooking someone. 
I mean, Billy Hamilton still qualifies as a rookie. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And I, uh, I guess you, you'd almost have to go there. Yeah. The way he's the way he's really turned things around. Uh, you'd almost have to go there. Yeah. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um, I don't see really anybody who competes. I guess now. That you, yeah. Yeah. You say that. So yeah. Uh, before and before we cut out of these, uh, do you have any? Um, do you have any you know, kind of a favorite surprise of the season, or even a favorite uh, kind of a who is your biggest disappointment? Uh, don't even get me started on biggest disappointments. <laughs> Let's just ask. Will Myers has got to be right there. <laughs> <laughs> who then is your, might be your favorite surprise? Uh, try to see. Honestly, honestly, Jason Hamill, because I've been in that I've been in that guy's camp for a long time, and he and Arietta, the way those two have pitched this year, big fans of that. Okay, I I I will be there right there with you. I think um, I'm kind of torn because it, to me it's a couple of my favorite surprises are between a couple of pitches pitchers and um, I, I kind of liked Beckett, Josh Beckett. I did. I put a buck on him in mixed tout even before mm-hmm. the season started, and then I guess nobody else even bid, so I didn't have to do that. But I could have done zero, but uh, for me, it's it's either him, but it's uh, if not, I think it's Alfredo Simone because he's I mean, it's an awesome story, and I think it's it's pretty much legit. So I love that. Um, biggest disappointments, uh, I got to tell you. I mean, yeah, we could we could probably spend all day. That, those always happen. Yes, there's a lot of them, and I think we'd all have one that we pick that we vent, and we're like, oh God, why did this happen? So uh, you know, that's what makes fantasy baseball fun. That's true. Well. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us for episode number 141 and uh, the pre-All-Star break edition, or pre, uh, well, post-All-Star break. Beginning of the All-Star break edition. Glass half yes. full, glass half empty. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Of uh, the sleeper and the bust. And Jason, thank you as always for joining us. Yeah, thanks, man. We'll talk to you guys uh, next Sunday. Yes. Uh, until next time, uh, thank you. And uh, again, this has been the sleeper and the bust. Boom, 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 boom.